you're listening to Get Gig Ready. If you're a music maker emerging or early in your career, or even a veteran looking to brush up on the basics, we're here to get you close to some amazing local talent to help you amp up your skills. Here in the second half of the series, we've been delving more into the business side of things, but it's time to take a step back because we're looking in from the media, talking to two radio insiders, FBI Partnerships Manager Tanya Ali and Double J Assistant Music Director Stephen Goodhue. And I know we've had a few radio people, myself included, on the show, but today we are talking explicitly about that side of the business. Get Gig Ready is presented by City of Ride, Lane Cove Council, the Live Music Office, Music New South Wales, and 2SER, with support from Macquarie University. Our feature track this week is All Right by Safford, which you're hearing right now. Hi, I'm Mile. I'm Ruby. I'm Sidoni. I'm Bianca. And And we're Safford. We'll be hearing more from them at the end of the show, as well as the full track, so stick around for that. So, Tanya, Stephen, you two have both worked together at FBI. Could you tell me a bit more about where your paths have crossed and what you do at FBI and Double J, respectively? Yeah, for sure. Um, So I was always into music as a kid uh, and pretty early on, I feel like I was a teenager when I found out about FBI Radio, which is a community radio station in Sydney. Uh, And I think I was in like year 11 when I tried out for FBI's presenter training course and became a volunteer at FBI. Within that, I was also doing a bit of stuff off air. I was actually working with Stephen uh, on the music team really early on. It feels like eons ago now um a long time ago (laughs) (laughs) um and then I um kind of got my own regular show on the station um and a couple of years ago I started working there full-time as well in uh partnerships and sponsorship all right fantastic and then you Stephen you know how did how did you end up snaking and crossing paths with Tanya I I so I moved to Sydney um about 10 11 years ago now and studying media no real direction. I really loved music. Um, I was in a couple of like really shitty bands that were absolutely not going to go anywhere. And someone suggested that I apply for uh, this this competition to win an internship at, at FBI. Um, so I did. Um, I spent a long time working on my application um, and then basically computer meltdown and I lost it. It was like a 1am. <laughs> like, oh, like, do I do it again? I don't know if I could be bothered. Um, but I gave another go and I won that competition. And yeah, I'm really glad that I, I, you know, could be bothered to, you know, enter that competition again because like, you know, it's like one of those sliding door moments. Yeah. Like if I hadn't done that, my life would be somewhere like completely unrecognizable now. I'm all too familiar with the computer meltdown at the last minute. They, they're <laughs> bastards. They know they what they're are. doing. They're, but anyway yeah so I just like like Tanya you know I I got into the station and once you're there like you know if you're if you're keen um and um you know enthusiastic if you have a love of music and are just reliable then opportunities open themselves to you so um you know I I think I've worked in just about every area of the the station no music library um on air front desk programming sales so and i i finished up there as as music director um you know if you're keen to have a go and yeah then they'll let you have a go fantastic it's definitely interesting hearing like how many different paths people have through such small nebulous spaces like community stations such as fbi and 2ser where 
basically, you know, a lot of people see it's the presenter, the music, the microphone, but there's all these roles behind the scenes that people wouldn't really have thought to go into until they had those sliding door moments, like you mentioned, Stephen. Would you guys say that it was uh, it was only once you got into radio that you actually really understood the directions that it could lead? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I think I definitely didn't realize how much else went into radio. Like as a kid, I definitely saw on-air presenting as, you know, the pinnacle of what I wanted from radio. But now that I work in it, um, I think, yeah, there's just so much more to it. And um, especially in a time like this, uh, the way that it can connect people is a lot more powerful than I think I ever realised as well. But yeah, yeah, I definitely did not realise all of the different roles within the industry at all. And then Stephen, you mentioned that you obviously had gone through having a bunch of crappy bands and just kind of being involved with music in one shape or another. Did getting into radio kind of change the direction that you saw your career going? Or was it more just that anything music would do until you kind of found a direction? Oh, for sure. I mean, like I had no idea where I was going. I had no idea what jobs there were in music, you know, it was like, so there are people who make the music, there are people that record the music. And then there are people that sign you to a label. Like as far as I knew, like when I was 18, 19, there were three jobs in the music industry. So high fidelity jobs, basically. Yeah. You know, like, it's just like the, the really kind of like front facing obvious ones. Um, spent a a lot of my uh, childhood listening to triple J, but again, like you don't really think about, um, how much goes into making a radio station. Even now, like, you know, you'd be surprised, um, you know, campaigns like, you know, hottest 100 or whatever, like how many people and man hours go into like just, playing out a, a fan voted countdown. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. There, there are a lot of different roles um, in music and in radio. I think if you're too fixed on something early on, then you could be kind of, I don't know, like potentially missing opportunities, uh, which you may not even realize existed. Mm. Now you mentioned in there, of course, some people don't understand how many man hours go in behind the scenes to set certain things up. What's one thing that you wish that musicians would kind of understand when approaching the behind the scenes roles at radio? You know, what's the best way to communicate with, say, the music director, with the sponsorship manager? I think just an understanding um, that they are not the only person getting in touch uh, can be very, very helpful, both in sponsorship um, and in general programming. I think in all of those facets get so many emails um, a day. It is insane and particularly, I mean, in terms of music, the submissions are like absolutely insane. And uh, often... Artists starting out can be a little bit impatient about feedback or um, if it's in terms of sponsorship, you know, impatient about getting a cart to air. Um, And sometimes that can be pretty alienating as someone who's doing their best to support them. So I guess that would be my advice. Double J deals with uh, a lot of the same kinds of artists um, that get played on on FBI. And look, so in that regard, like it, was harder working at FBI because um, being at the Jays, you know, there's the whole Unearth team, there's the whole Triple J team, there's the whole um, Double J team. So there's less pressure to kind of be across everything, which is great. Like Tanya was saying, just keep in mind that there are 
a lot more people than you realize getting in touch. Um, and things can take longer than you might like. We don't reply to everyone that emails music in. Um, it would be impossible and just not the best use of our time, to be completely honest. I think uh, a really beneficial thing, which a surprising number of artists don't do, is just like research the station that you're, you're getting in touch with, you know, um, work out what kind of music they play, what kind of specialist shows they have what kind of taste in music different daytime presenters have. If you want a personalised response, write a personalised email and show that you've actually done your homework. And even then maybe you won't get the response, but, like, I, at least then it'll be read and it'll be action. But, like, you know, if you're emailing a station that, like, has, like, no real relationship with what your your music is um then you know you're not going to get a response and also be humble because like the number of people who email and call up who are just like convinced utterly convinced that they are like the next big thing again there's a lot of artists out there there's a lot of great artists out there um at double j we add eight to ten songs a week to rotation um like there's a lot i every week that we all really like, which just doesn't get added to air because there's just not a lot of room. Um, so, you know, just be humble, be patient, be kind and, you know, communicate clearly and do your homework. Yeah. I think particularly the do your homework point is an interesting one because a lot of the time when there is just so much noise in music in general, not, not to describe the sounds, but just with so much going on, uh, it can be kind of hard to know the direction that you want to point in. And doing that research, I think, is a, a really valuable tip. And Tanya, I wonder if you had any other things that you could point towards in terms of you know, what artists could do to get themselves more noticed, to kind of find the right place to, to hit home when they're trying to get themselves on air. Mm, yeah, I definitely agree with Stephen in terms of, yeah, doing your research is super, like, it cannot be understated. Um, and I think also just... Things like making sure press releases are succinct but also have enough information for presenters to go off and um, that when artists are submitting their music directly to uh, radio stations or presenters that all of the info is there, that there are like the simplest things like having downloadable tracks that are, you know, high enough format to be played on air. I feel like it often is surprising um, how those things go by the wayside sometimes when artists are submitting music. Also, something that I often kind of talk about when in these conversations is it can be super helpful to be building relationships within this definitely goes for community radio um, more than any other like outlet, but finding shows that you like listening to them um, and, you know, maybe even like building relationships with those presenters or like, I don't know, texting in or emailing them with things that might be aside from the music you make and wanting to get played. And this is probably for those more like niche genres, I think, and specialist shows. But um, I feel like that can go a super, super long way, like just engaging um, because often the emails that I get, um, as Stephen kind of alluded to, like you can tell in the first three seconds of reading an email 
if the artist actually has no idea what the station is, what your show is, like it's just a form kind of email and they might have just chucked your name in there. Hey, I'm a um, huge fan of templates. Yeah, legit. Like, and especially with, because I host Arvo's, which is a generalist show, um, and often people will be like, oh, I really like the music you play on Arvo's with Tanya Ali. I'm like, yeah, all right. I play literally every genre possible. <laughs> like, I'm glad you're enjoying it, but it's also, yeah, that would be, I reckon, probably the main things. Yeah, no, it's also interesting you mentioned in the, like, press releases. I think particularly given the prominence of social media and the ways that promoting music has changed uh, to kind of accommodate that, it's interesting that things like press releases are still so important. And, you know, as a radio presenter myself, I get the press releases every week of what's been added, and I'm sure you guys do as well. So how can bands who have kind of gone from posting online and sharing it on social media go from that very casual approach to actually making that more formal structure that I guess looks appropriate when you guys open your emails. Yeah, look like all the, the best bands, like they totally play hard to get, you know, like they make that <laughs> you chase them. Um, and I actually used to find something um, where it was like, always like the bands with the best music and don't know if, if I should say this because, like, it's a bad example. But, <laughs> like, all, all of the the bands that, like, I would end up adding, like, this is in the days when, like, CDs would be serviced in huge numbers. They would just always come on, like, scrappy bits of paper, like, like just unmarked CDs, um, just, like, loose without cases, yeah. like, no contacts, like, no track list. And then I, like, put this disc on me, like, wow, this is amazing who are these people and how do I get in touch with them? And then it was like the people that would service me with like, you know, like hand carved mahogany, like wooden boxes, you know, the perfume. <laughs> those were always the ones that were just like totally compensating for something. Yeah. You don't need anything fancy. You don't need to spend money on it. Like all you need is just like an email with like, a few sentences outlining who you are, like where you're from, what your story is, like a, a press shot, a pack shot for your for your music, um, a link to download a WAV um, of your music. That's it. Like it's it's not like a you know a chasm to to leap across. Like assume who you're emailing has no idea who you are. And start from there. And I think it's particularly a good point to make there, as you say, that you don't want to go so far that it seems like you're compensating for something, but also you still want to have that clarity. And I really like that that kind of neat way of putting it that you made there, Stephen. That's you know not something that you necessarily consider because you know the, the fancier you can make it, the better, right? But it can start to have the opposite effect, which some people might not consider. Totally, yeah. I, I think people like don't think a whole lot about the impressions they make. So I think like, say someone walks up in real life, you know nothing about them. Like the moment you look at them, you start to form an opinion of them based on like their body language, they're making eye contact, what they're wearing, if they smell or not, you know, just all these little things that add up. And it's the same thing when you service music, like you notice like what style of like photograph, like is their press shots done in? Like, I would like to think, you know, if someone was going on like a first date or something, you know, you put your best foot forward, you, you like you just, you, put forth the best version of yourself, like do the same thing. Like don't overdo it. Like don't underdo it. Just do it. Yeah. You know, like that, that sweet middle spot, the people you're getting in touch with, um, have finely tuned instincts, um, for, for what works for, 
their, um, you know, respective audience and what doesn't. Yeah. And you also mentioned in there, of course, that some bands who have like this really great music kind of play hard to get, as you put it. How, how much can bands work with stations like Double J and FBI to develop their sound? You know, can you send things in and say like, Hey, you know, this is a track. I was just wondering for your feedback or is that, you know, that's one of the things that kind of gets shoved to the wayside. It's not something I like to do. I don't like to be A&R. It just it puts the programmer um, in a really awkward position. Then if that person like then officially services that single and it doesn't do well for whatever reason, then like in a way like kind of responsible maybe, but also not like it's just it involves you in the in the process more than needs to be. You know, we'll give you feedback on it, but you know we're not here to listen to your like collection of demos and say like, this should be your single now go away and work on it. Like that's not our job. Yeah. And then Tanya, obviously Stephen was talking in there about the other packaging that comes along with the music and the contributions and detriments that that, that can bring to your image as a band working in sponsorships and the kind of assets that you look for when you're putting together, say like a, a gig or when you're putting together a certain promo for them, what are the kind of things that you're looking for to get the best out of those promos? If you're an emerging independent artist, generally you probably don't have a whole lot of budget. And when it comes to radio sponsorships, um, they can be a little steep. So I predominantly work with artists that are kind of um, represented by labels or um, their management or kind of booking if they're putting on a show. The things I would look for in that case is always having some sort of a call to action, whether it be a brand new album out or um, in normal times, a show coming up. In terms of booking for uh, shows that FBI puts on, I guess we're looking for artists that are, A, obviously making great music, artists that are maybe gigging around or have a little bit of um, experience when it comes to playing shows. Uh, And even if they're tiny shows, um, I think you always kind of know when a new band or artist has that stage presence that is getting people chatting about them, um, getting people really excited about them. Um, and then also just, um, if they're easy to work with and responsive on email. So, you know, if we're reaching out to an artist and they kind of, um, like scoping their availability or whatever, uh, and they get back totally fine to be like, hey, might need a bit of time to think this offer over, but giving us a deadline and sticking to that deadline, things like that reflect really, really well, just making the process of booking super easy. And then when it gets past that, um, making the process of working out the finer details and sound checking really easy, just being communicative um, means that we as a partnerships and sponsorships and programming team as well will be so much more likely to reach out to that artist the next time we have a festival or a gig coming up um, and asking them to play again. Yeah, and then obviously that becomes very reciprocal uh, with things like social media allowing bands to actually put their voice out there directly rather than relying exclusively on the services of other promotions. And I think also dealing with stations like Double J, like FBI, that have a very you know local focus uh, it, it provides still that outlet, I guess, for local content to have a home. 
I think uh, particularly, Stephen, you know, going from FBI to Double J, what do you see as the power of local music and why it is pervasive from small independent stuff like FBI to the very top of the ABC? Local music reflects who we are, you know, it reflects our identity as people from, from Marrickville or from Sydney or New South Wales, Australia, like we all have levels of identity and, you know, we want to belong. We want to be listening to things, to consuming things that represent who we are. People are proud of the music that comes out of Australia. They're proud of, you know, the success stories we've had with, you know, all sorts of bands going from teeny tiny grassroots levels to international powerhouses. And I think people recognise the role that community radio and ABC radio plays in in fostering that. Um, and, yeah, you know, people want to feel like, you know, the music that like, deserves to be heard is being heard. Like no one just wants to hear like, you know, like a, a homogenous kind of personality-free stream of, of music that you could hear anywhere else. Like, you know, what is it that makes us Australian with the amount of time I spend listening to Australian music, like, you know, Sydney music and Melbourne music and Brisbane music and Perth music, like they all actually have their really own distinct identities. And yeah, you know, I just think being able to broadcast that and shine a spotlight on it, it, it helps us understand who we are and helps establish community, helps us feel like we belong. So local music is incredibly important and people are always going to want to listen to it for those reasons. I would definitely echo everything that Stephen said, particularly, obviously, um, working at FBI, I feel like I have this kind of knowledge that I wouldn't otherwise of like the incredible array of Sydney music that there is. And I think, I feel like in the past five years, we've seen so many different really new and exciting trends come up in Sydney uh, when it comes to music, particularly from Western Sydney, um, which I feel like has gotten a lot of buzz, but it's just really amazing to hear all of the like very different, super young, super talented artists who are just like not necessarily taking um leaves out of anyone else's book they're just really going out and doing their own thing um like when you look obviously this feels like a low-hanging fruit when it comes to an example but one for when you look at an act like that and see how it's resonating across the globe they're truly doing something that no other act has yet and then they're also creating space for other acts like them to come up from both Sydney and Melbourne and around the world. I feel like it's an incredibly exciting thing to be watching happening. And I think the breadth of new Sydney music that we're seeing at the moment is like so incredible. I feel very lucky to be a part of it in this small way and be watching all of these artists kind of grow. And I'm so sure they'll be taking over the world soon. Yeah. I particularly love the point you make there about, you know, artists making it big, being able to bring up other artists. You obviously don't want to get it into your head that you're the next big thing right out the gate because, you know, calm down, you relax. You'll, if you get there, you'll get there. But it, it also is true that, you know, 
creating interest in a local scene because every big artist was at one point a local band and you know huge bands that you hear about for example i mean as a you know rock and metal fan myself i think like metallica brought up the entire bay area thrash scene to the point where that's still surviving today and here in australia we have this very particular style and each city has its own unique identity so that when bands do break out it creates that buzz that can help bring up local music totally yeah Maybe also like connecting with those artists that are just that next step ahead of you um, when it comes to emerging and getting in touch with them, seeing if they have any tips. Like those connections are also just as important, I think, Um, obviously outside of radio, but um, it still kind of plays into it because, you know, that, that artist who has just gotten a little bit of airplay might know someone who has really championed their music on air um, and will be able to link you up with them. I feel like making those those connections is super, super important. Yeah, and I, beyond the general you know, networking thing, as you say there, I think that's also another great way to, to do your research, find out where bands you like are getting their play because that can point you in a direction you may have been un- unaware of until then. Totally, yeah. All right, well, fantastic. Thank you both so much for joining us here on Get Gig Ready this week. It's been a pleasure speaking with both of you and fascinating hearing your insights. Thanks so much. Thanks for having us. You are listening to Get Gig Ready. Before we get to the end of the show, it is time to throw you over to our feature artists, Safford. Hi, I'm Lyle. I'm Ruby. I'm Sidoni. I'm Bianca. And And we're Safford. Safford. This is our song, All Right. I wrote this a couple of years ago about uh, a relationship that ended where I had to be the one to break up with her and I knew she was going to be listening to all of the songs that I wanted to be listening to that were about breakups and I wanted something for my own so that's how this song came about. We hope you enjoy. You've buried yourself out now you've got me to cool down But I've been rearranged since I let you go It's not my job to hold you together now And it never was It never was I was never
Claire Safford, and that was our song, All Right, and you've been listening to us on Get Gig Ready. Thank you so much to Safford for providing us with their track, All Right. This has been Get Gig Ready, and it's been so good joining you over the course of this series. Don't forget to leave us a rating on your favorite podcast streaming app to help us reach more musicians. Get Gig Ready is brought to you by City of Ride, Lane Cove Council, the Live Music Office, Music New South Wales, and 2SER, with support from Macquarie University. Before we close out the series, I would like to dedicate this to my grandfather, Jack Holiday, who passed away during the making of this series and was the last piece of work of mine he got to hear. Thank you so much for joining us here on Get Gig Ready. My name is Felix Shannon. I'll see you around.